Hello and welcome back to Discover the Unknown, a podcast by Cove Clothing that aims to inspire our listeners by bringing you incredible people with epic stories. I'm your host, Lydia Cook, and today I'm going to be chatting to a guy called Jake Tyler, who is an incredible mental health advocate. In April 2016, he endured challenges that led him on a wonderful journey around the United Kingdom on foot. I'm super grateful to have him on the show today sharing his story, and I hope that it'll inspire our listeners as much as he's inspired myself. Cool. So thank you for joining us, Jake. It's awesome to have you on here and hear about your story. Um, So I guess just briefly, first of all, do you want to kind of try and give an overview of what it is that you've done? I know it's hard to squish it all into one thing, but just kind of a bit of a bit of background about your your book and your story and what it is that you've been up to. Okay. yeah, cool. The um, the broad strokes. Um, So I I was, um, I, I guess, I guess. It's, it's it's difficult for me to start. Do you know what? I always really struggle to start because I don't know how to start other than at the beginning. And the beginning was like really, really dark. Um, so basically I went through this really awful thing this time, a period of really awful mental health. And then something happened afterwards that kind of changed my life. Um, but I think what what's best. I mean, when I wrote it in the book, it was just a nightmare because my publisher was like, "Okay, you need you need to start off with this, you know, really hard hitting. You know, you went through this awful, awful thing." And I was like, "Well, I mean, throwing people straight into all that shit is like, I don't know, it's not really fair." And I just didn't want to put people off. So, but in the end, they they convinced me that it was it was the powerful way to do it. Um, But I think in in the interest of keeping it kind of light. Um, I'll say that I, I, uh, I challenged myself to, to circumnavigate the British mainland um, on foot, and uh, the route I chose incorporated all the national parks, and um, and I ran or walked a total of three thousand miles in in a year, living in a tent, and then towards the end, staying with lots of random people along the way. And um, and I did this off the back of uh, a period in my life that was very dark, um, you know, severe depression, substance misuse, um, just poor lifestyle choices, and and just getting myself stuck in this really sort of dark hole. And um, you know, I never, I'm not an endurance athlete by nature. I'm very much a city guy. I do like nature, but at the same time. You know, just I also like takeaways and <laughs> just all the, all the kind of city things and 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 yeah. I mean, I never would have thought that I'd do end up doing something like what I did. You know, walking around the country. Um, but it just happened. That, you know, if it, it, I don't think I would have done that at any other time in my life apart from the one five years ago. You know, because something happened to me that you know, a sadness engulfed me that I, I wouldn't wish on anyone. And that was as unexpected as my decision to walk around the country. And I guess, you know, I've tried to sum up and think about why why it was I actually ended up doing what I did. And I think a lot of it was sort of subconscious, you know. My mind was went through this really tough, dark period and then it needed something equally big and positive on the other side to help balance it out so 
the idea to walk around Britain sort of fell out the sky when I was out walking the dog one day. You know, I've been signed off work, and um, I was, you know, in a very dark place, and I just, I wanted to get out and sort of strip it all back. You know, the noise of life had just become way too much, and because I'd been signed off work, you know, I had nothing but time and sitting around expiring on the sofa was just lost its appeal very quickly and then so yeah going out walking the dog once a day became became my thing and the more I did this the more I felt like I was just sort of walking off this this awful feeling and it sounds really oversimplistic to say it like that but that's that's sort of how it was and and in a moment of just madness I thought okay I just need to be outside in this all the time like this nature is just doing me the world of good I'm going to buy a tent and I'm going to live in it for a year and I'm going to walk around the country and yeah a totally un me thing to do uh, a totally un me sequence of events but um but it happened and you know yeah i spent a, a whole year outside being very introspective for for a lot of it but also sort of rediscovering what i loved about life and yeah it's been a it's been a mad few years since then yeah i mean it's it's absolutely incredible what you've done and you know, thank you so much for sending me the book, first of all, um, because sitting down and I've only read the first five chapters so far, but oh my gosh, the amount of times that I resonated entirely with what you were saying um, and that sort of not knowing how exactly that situation had come along and how you ended up there, but it, it happens. The practicality of it is, is that it was that space that you were in and then this incredible journey of like you say, just starting off walking the dog um, and starting to see and feel how being outdoors and walking really takes you out of that moment. It's, it's quite incredible. Um, so, I mean, it was it's absolutely amazing what I've read so far and the amount of times that you said something that I was just look up from the pages and be like, oh my gosh, that is exactly how I felt before well, as well. Is, isn't that... Isn't that amazing though? Because if if there's things in there that you're seeing in yourself, and I'm getting loads of messages like this, people reading the first few chapters of the book where I really go into what it's like for me to feel depressed and what it's like for me to go through a really dark time. Um, and I'm getting more often than not, people are messaging me saying, "I know exactly what you mean. You know, you're sewing it up way better than." And I'm like, where where are these conversations in in real life? Do you know what I mean? That like if we're all feeling these things, because you know, not everyone has depression, not everyone has anxiety, not everyone has a mental illness that they live with, but we all know what it's like to feel really down and out, and and like we've entered a dark place, and that we're fearful, and that we feel vulnerable. You know, we all have these things, but there's this there's this shame involved in it. That's do you know what I, I I honestly think it's because people just go through it at, at different times in their life. You know, when I'm going through a really tough time, it's very easy to be, for me to focus on everything else that's happening around me and, and judging my actions based on that. Because you know, everyone around me when I'm feeling low is kind of getting on with their lives, and it looks to me like they're doing really well. And obviously, you focus on that, but you don't see what happens in private. And in private, everyone everyone struggles and just because people on the outside are looking like they're crushing it doesn't doesn't mean at all that they're not going home and having to you know kind of sit with themselves and yeah, yeah. it's just it's just very strange and, and the thing I really noticed the, the, the time that I really started to think about this was towards the end so 
Um, so I'd walked, I'd walked maybe just over 2000 miles and I, I decided at one point that I wanted to run home. So I ran from Edinburgh back to Brighton and the only way I could do that was to send my pack home, which had my tent on it and everything. Cause this thing weighed like 20 kilos and I just, there's no way I could run, um, running it. And so at the start of every week, you know, I'd sort of amassed this kind of modest to big social media following at this point. And at the start of the week, I'd just put where I was running through on Facebook and say, look, does anyone know anyone who can put me up in any of these, any of these places? Kind of, kind of, I, I thought it was a bit futile. I really didn't expect people to, to get in touch and, and through, you know, it was crazy in the end that, that they did. Um, and uh, yeah. the thing that I noticed was everyone who I stayed with wanted to talk to me about, you know, my journey and, and the, and the walk and, um, Britain and nature and everything, but more than more often than not, they wanted to talk about how they were doing. And there was something about, you know, inviting a total stranger into their house who was living this transient life who they were probably never going to see again, that allowed them some sort of weird confidence, like temporary confidence to really open up about how they were feeling. I just thought that was really interesting because, you know, why, why is it that we feel it's easier to talk to people who we know we're never going to see again than the people we, we really trust and really love? You know, it's almost like you, you're, you're, you're guarding yourself from judgment from the people who you should trust the most. It's very strange. It's a really illogical, um, illogical sort of mindset. But feeling depressed and, and feeling low and everything, it, it does defy logic an awful lot of the time. And... What one thing that was amazing, I mean, and kind of sad, I guess, in some ways, was that everyone I was staying with who wanted to talk about themselves and their feelings and their emotions and their response to life, they were all using the same kind of language. You know, people from totally different backgrounds. I stayed, I stayed with a woman who was, I think, 93 at one point, and I, I'd stay with families with kids, and I'd stay with students, and I'd stay, you know, all kinds of different people from all different backgrounds, all different ages. And you know the reason the reason they felt low sometimes was specific to them. You know they have money problems, or they've got this interfamily crisis going on, or they've got a problem with confidence, or their career isn't going how it wants. But their emotional response to all these things was always the same. They were always using the same kind of language. You know, I'm 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 fearful. I'm worried. I feel emasculated by this. You know, if it was a guy. And. It was just I just found it incredible how everyone was using the same kind of language and and if if everyone stood in a fucking circle and just started saying this is how I feel and really honest and put their true vulnerabilities out there we'd all end up singing from the same hymn sheet but yet it's still this kind of very private very um, so yeah shameful shameful type of thing and I still I still haven't quite got to the bottom of it and I've been talking about this for you know for five years or so now you know for a long time and yeah. and I you know when I have a down day I still I still end up talking about um you know just trying to brush it off as like you know I'm oh, just having an off day with it off color today and because to crack yourself open and spill yourself out that much is it, you just leave yourself open you think and it's like I don't know it just doesn't feel right or something yeah I know I think as well that I, I mean it's it's quite amazing that your book has come out in the time that we're in now yeah. um because I mean the last year that everyone has gone through has just given so many challenges and people that have never even experienced a slight sort of 
slight challenge of mental health have now had to go through it entirely um and it be, it can be a very scary unknown thing to people but as as someone who's had mental health issues myself reading your book at this time just kind of brought it all back to me that nature was also my fix as well um and i think a lot of people this year with that one walk a day will also be realizing that as well that that one walk a day that we've had and getting out in nature and seeing just a different landscape for a moment in your day can entirely change that feeling for you yeah um, absolutely and what, what what is it for you do you think nature do you know what i always say it's like i mean you're not going to like this but when i go to london um which i actually went last week but not being able to see a clear horizon really seems to have an effect on me um mm. so i think living where i do here in cornwall and you know even the other day when i contacted you about doing this podcast and we were going to have a phone call quick and i was like i'm just going to go on an adventure quick it was because <laughs> when I have a down day or I start to feel like I'm getting anxious or anything like that, I'm like, I just need to go for a walk. I just need to go and see a clear horizon and hear sounds that aren't synthetic, that aren't man-made sounds that have come from nature themselves. And yes. I don't know what it is about it, but it grounds me entirely. Yeah. I, I, I don't feel like you're alone there. I mean, I, I, I'm completely with you on that you know I do like the city and everything but there's just something so undeniably calming about the sounds and the sights of nature and there's studies on this you know I, it was weird like the the further I went on this on this sort of big adventure that I was on the more I wanted to understand the the, the mental and physical effect that it was having on me I was like well, I've, how could I feel suicidal three months ago and now I feel fucking amazing like what what is going on here and I just sort of you know unpack it all and Okay, so this is different. This is different. I mean, everything was different, and, I, and the the crux of it was that I'd stripped away everything. You know, just the fucking noise of life was just was just gone, and and the the noise of <laughs> the risk of sounding like a sort of inspirational meme, like the noise of the world, like the actual noise of the world was just right there, and there was just something so unbelievably calm, and I found myself like you know trying trying to sum up why looking into looking out to sea is just so it fills me with some kind of like weird hope or something and i think it's the idea of i mean you probably find this as well if you're like a horizon junkie like just looking into <laughs> as far as you can until you know there's just nothing else it's just this this idea of infinity like of of just endless possibilities like i found myself feeling that when i was on the coast and what's really interesting is like I did, I, I stuck to mostly the coast, like for this, the whole time I was away. You know, I did the whole southwest coast path. So I went, I went like through through Falmouth, through like your ends, and and all the way up to all the way up to Minehead, and then into Wales. Did the Pembrokeshire coast there, and honestly, like the, the, those, I mean, that's that's I mean, it's nearly a thousand miles that in total because the southwest coastal path is like six hundred and thirty something, and then I went all the way up to Bristol and and round into. Um, into like the Pembrokeshire coast and the whole yeah so it's a long way and I'd never been happier you know I'd never been happier but I was just walking and the sea was just there the whole way just like my buddy just guiding me the whole way and, and, and everything that happens around it is great as well you know the sights and sounds of nature and then I came inland after I've been to Snowdonia and I've, I've, I've walked sort of towards sort of Shrewsbury area and Wolverhampton and then up to Edo which is where the Pennine Way starts in, in, um, in uh, the Peak District and I walked the Pennine Way north through there and, and through the Yorkshire Dales. 
and by the time I got to the top I was really low and I couldn't really understand it you know I was still outside I was still immersed in nature I was still moving constantly and you know documenting my progress as well as trying to talk about my mental health at the same time so I was ticking off all these boxes that I was ticking off the first half of the walk but I was starting to get really low and it wasn't until I mean I went through the whole Lake District in just a real funk and didn't really enjoy it which I just found crazy because it was the part that I was really excited for and then after I got through there I did the Hadrian's Wall Path from west to east which ends at Wall's End near Newcastle and when I was there I was just like I just don't want to do this anymore I just I just I'd had enough I just I was looking up train ticket prices to come home and um, I was staying with a guy who I sort of half know and I ended up getting pissed up with him for like a couple of days and just being in Newcastle and just the the vibe had just gone completely and it, it, it I mean it was thanks to a mate of his who who I spoke to who was just like an unbelievably calm kind engaging person who was just, was just like no you can't you can't jack this in yet you've got to keep going um, I sort of did it for her really and then I started off again like the Berwickshire coast path and the, and the Northumberland coast path which just runs all the way from Newcastle up to Edinburgh it's a huge section and it was back there that I felt like myself again I started to feel like life was good again and like endless possibilities again and it was because I was back on the sea man it's 100% there's just something I mean I'd love to read more studies about it because I'm sure there's some really great theories out there but I mean, there's just something about the sea and, and just seeing it constantly that just is just so calming. I mean, me and my partner were out for a walk the other day when we, we live in Brighton. So, you know, we've got it right there. We, we do this. Uh, <laughs> we've been doing the same walk forever for like nine <laughs> years, it feels like at the moment. But we walk from here to Ovingdean, which is like four miles and back. And um, it's right at the base of the cliffs, you know, White Cliffs. It's beautiful. Um, but we stopped at some point and just kind of sat there. And, um, and I was looking at the sea and I just realised that I wasn't really feeling anything while I was looking at the sea and I was like, right, whoa, okay, this doesn't happen again. We have to acknowledge that this sea being here is brilliant and if it wasn't here, we'd be fucking way worse mentally than we have been. Um, do you find that? Do you find that you get desensitised over? Because, I mean, Falmouth is kind of like a harbour-y kind of town, right? But it's also got sea. Yeah, so... I mean, it is exactly what you're saying. It's the endless possibility thing. But also, I find as well, it reminds me that there is a whole world out there across that ocean. And, you know, you're not just the only one stuck there. There is a, an entire world that's ready to explore and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I absolutely agree with that. But yeah, I think, I mean, I walk quite a lot of different parts of the coastline down here. I mean, someone even messaged me yesterday saying, do you always do the same walk or do you change it up? And I found myself saying, it's it's really thing, like weird thing to say, but I have different walks depending on what emotions I'm feeling. Okay. Which sounds strange, but it if, seems if it to be that. If it makes sense to you, it's not strange at all. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. This is true. But you know, there's places like Kainance Cove that are just super dramatic and incredible, and I go there and feel like amazingly inspired. Um, or yesterday even, I, I actually took your book down and walked um, along the Helford River and it's all very quaint and delicate and sweet and that was just super lovely to just relax and stay calm. Yeah. And then also places like, you know, Watergate Bay and Perrinport and places like that where it's just open, sweeping ocean. 
in the dunes and it just completely kind of like you said it makes the world feel open and that, that there's this endless sort of um I don't know opportunity to the world yeah. so yeah. I mean I've kind of gone off topic there a little bit no, but no, I, I, I think the answer saying. is it's, it's, it's like the sea has yeah. character it's like it, it's like the perfect person to talk to in in some weird way did you do you find like um I mean I, presumably you, you're quite familiar with sort of vast swathes of the Cornish coast. Um, I, I was massively disappointed when I got to Land's End. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, but but not this kind of like, um, I don't know, like kind of secondary school looking building with just tons of people trying to take photos. And it was like, a, it, I felt like on my way there, it should have been a real like moment point of significance. You know, I've just run out of land and now I have to change trajectory and go some like a different way. Um, but that said, I mean, yeah. it, everything on either side of like between between Penzance and, and Land's End, but you know, there's where it all goes kind of goes away yeah. from from the, the towns and the and, and everything, like it all starts to get great around there. Um, but one thing I really found was that the ocean there, I don't I, mean, I don't know if it was just in my head, but because you're it's the only part of Britain where you're not sort of you're actually looking out towards the Atlantic. You know, the, like anywhere else, there's Ireland in the way, but and and obviously you can't see it. And and from where I am, obviously I can just see the Channel and France is there. But there was something about looking out and knowing that beyond, you know, my field of vision was the Atlantic, and beyond that was America. And it just it felt like huge. Like the world just felt huge, and and the world feels big when you look out to see a lot of the time, and and the bigness you know, it feels like, yeah, endless possibilities and, and the concept, the idea of infinity and stuff. But looking out there, it was just like a leviathan, like just an enormous, enormous thing. And I actually found myself getting quite, not emotional, but definitely moved by it because it was just like, fuck, like this, this is what real life is. This is, this planet is unbelievable. And the world in my head is just nothing like my problems and my you know my worries and everything you know I'm here for a fraction of a second in you know in terms of like how old the world is and what the fuck am I doing worrying about all this shit when this is here like this is this is what it's all about um yeah it's it's amazing god it's making me want to go out somewhere (laughs) (laughs) I mean no I completely agree with you I think some of the thoughts that I've like, some of the craziest or most emotional thoughts I've had have just been from sitting on the beach and looking at yeah. the sea. And I don't know what it does to me, but I'm glad it does the same thing to you um, because it's it's incredible. And it's almost quite daunting, especially like you say, along the Land's End way and sort of even the Lizard way, the most southerly point. Yeah, It's kind of quite intimidating to think how small you really are in comparison mm. to what's going on in the world. Um, and it, it kind of offers a bit of, sort of rational thinking doesn't it in terms of okay what what are my worries what's stressing me out what is the issue in my day-to-day and how does it compare to looking out at this vast incredible world in this ocean and you know who else is out there having these issues yeah and it really kind of grounds you back to going through your issues quite logically I think Mm -hmm. and sort of comparing them to this this vastness and yeah, yeah it's incredible well it'd be easy to feel insignificant like physically insignificant when you start to think about those sorts of things but 
for me, it's it's about make, trying to make my um, my my negative feelings and and the sort of darkness that's in me feel insignificant. You know, me, me as a person, yeah, I am. If you if you look at the whole, you know, the bigness of the world and time and and everything, yeah, I, I am significant in some ways. But the fact that I'm only here for a a, a fraction of time. Um, it doesn't make me feel significant, insignificant in a in a negative way. It makes me feel like I need to take opportunities here. I need to live life. I need to experience as much of this as I can because this is fucking great. You know, the world is a really amazing place, and and Britain is a really amazing place as well. Like, I I had no idea. I mean, I had no idea of any. You know, when I decided to do this thing, I was just like. I was on a big nature tip and I just wanted to be outside all the time and I was like, oh, I'll go to all these national parks. I didn't really know anything about them. You know, the the British countryside's nice, the coast is nice, but, you know, I had no idea the, you know, some of the, the scenery and, and landscapes in, in Great Britain, especially when you get up to Scotland and, I mean, it's just mountains for days and you don't get anything like that even in England. I remember... There's um there's a mountain pass in in the Cairngorms from Aviemore to Braemar. I think it's about 33 miles. It's called the Lerig Group, and I uh, I talk about it in the book. Um, I met up with a guy called Simon Clark who who just finished running the coast of of Britain, and he's a guy I was following on social media who I happened to bump into in Carmarthen, in South Wales, just by complete fluke, and we sort of swapped numbers and and sort of weirdly became mates. But when his his journey was finished he he moved back to to the highlands and he lived kind of off just just off the Cairngorms and so he said you know when you get to that that point just hit me up and, and you've got somewhere to stay so I went and stayed with Simon and managed to get him out for for what I thought was going to be a day's hiking I thought yeah we're two seasoned walkers runners whatever like we can go do 33 miles in a day no problem and I mean, it was it was a nightmare because it was freezing and it was so slippery and dicey. And um, but that said, I mean, we were just what this this mountain pass. It just runs straight through the middle of two mountain ranges, and it was I think it was around November time. So you know, was, all of them were snow capped, and the air was so clear you could just see it for days. And it was just it felt like I was walking through some sort of painting. Do you know what I mean? Like it's as well, this this is in Britain. Like there was no reception on my phone. I was so not connected to anything that I thought Britain was. I was just out in the in the middle of this like just epic, epic, epic scene. I just couldn't believe I was I was in I was in Great Britain. I mean, it it got it got to a point where <laughs> basically, so it's thirty three miles. And uh, I thought we could do it in a day. We set off really late, and by the time it got to around seven or eight in the evening, it's pitch black. So the mountains are gone by this point. So there's not even a nice backdrop. It's just stress, and it got really cold. And although I bought my tent, I was like, we can't, we can't actually camp in this because obviously within the mountains, it's a, it's a few degrees colder. It was way below freezing, and uh, and Simon was getting really pissed off actually. He was just like why did we set off earlier and there was me being really cavalier thinking that because we've both done these really epic challenges that we'll be fine out here it's like no we've just blatantly bitten off more than we can chew here so we're about halfway and it's pitch black and it's so icy and slippery and it's not like a, a, a just a, a path you, but you have to have the map out you know there's a lot of scrambling involved it's it's no joke 
Um, and at one point I was just like, look, I'm just gonna have a look at the map and see if I can get us out of here because this is bad now. Like this, this could get really bad. It's really dangerous. Um, so I looked at the map and I, I, I found what looked to be a bothy, which was about a mile or so off the, um, off the trail. Bothies are like these little, if you don't know, they're like uh, just little houses, huts, things in the highlands for, for walkers who get <laughs> in trouble, basically. But on the map, they're really ambiguous. They're just like a tiny little dot with a weird kind of name. And I thought, okay, that, that might be a bothy. And if it is, we can just stay in there overnight and then crack on in the morning. And so, and so I was like, okay, we, I, think, I think we need to go and check this out and just see, just see if, if this is somewhere we can stay. And he was a bit like... Well, what if what if it isn't and we've just lost another hour walking a mile in the dark in a different direction what if we can't find the path again I was like well I, I, I'm willing to risk it because at this point you know our only choices are setting up our tents in this freezing cold like in the middle of the mountains and freeze to death or we walk through the night and try and get to Braemar you know in the dark in the cold and he was really annoyed about it um, and and in the end, I just had to kind of turn it, turn him off, and just say, right, okay, well, this is what we're doing now. We're gonna, we're gonna go and try and find this buffy. So I took us off, and I was following the map, just praying that we could find this place. And then after about 15, 20 minutes, I hear the sound of um, uh, wood crackling and the the smell of smoke. I'm like, oh my god, someone, someone's built fire somewhere. And we get closer, and I just see this little orange just a little, little square of orange and as we got closer it was a, it was a window it was a window to this bath and we found this thing and we just both just piled in there just i mean we were freezing absolutely freezing and as soon as we you know when like you know like you really need the toilet and you're out and you can hold it until the key goes in the door and then it's like right it's coming now it was like that but it's like as soon as we were out to get in there we just acknowledged the freeze just like oh my god we burst in there and these two guys, these four guys, who were super prepared for this journey, who brought loads of logs with them and were burning the logs on the fire and they got a little stove going. They were in there and they just turned around and looked at us and they just looked so put out because they obviously thought they'd had had this place in the middle of the mountains to themselves and then all of a sudden these two guys are bursting in like, (laughs) and just like run to the fire before we even spoke to them. they were both called Dave, and and they were really nice in the end. And, and we all sort of sat down and we all calmed down. And and in the end, it was it was all good. And then, um, but I'd completely forgotten that the scenery was that was there the whole time. And then the, the next morning, I woke up, um, to the sound of grouse. You know, it's just grouse running everywhere around there. And um, the sun was just about to come up, and I, I went outside and I just forgot that I was just in this epic like painting that's just how it seems to me it just looked like a painting i went outside and i was just engulfed by these mountains i was like how how can this be britain um i mean that 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 to me was like you know just a reminder that i needed to be outside more often and and just because there was just something about just standing and you don't need any of the distractions of life when you're doing that you don't need your phone in your hand you don't need to be listening to anything watching anything if you've just got you know if you're alone in your thoughts and you're you're somewhere naturally beautiful where you just can't hear a thing other than the sounds of nature 
it just everything just feels feels right to me in those moments and by the sound of it it's the same for you as well yeah completely I mean I I absolutely agree with you in fact there was a a quote from your book um you'd interviewed a guy called Matt Haig I think and he said that effectively humans are just 30,000 year old hardware living in 21st century software and of course like it's almost like evolution has caught us out and we can't keep up with the with the actual evolving that we're doing and so of course we're going to crash every now and again of course we're going to need you know repairs here and there and I just thought when I read that that quote that you put in there I was like that is absolutely how I feel sometimes that my human instinct and my body is not built for what we use now you know my whole life is on social media. I'm sure you're starting to feel this now as well. Yeah, yeah. That it yes. can become so much because that's not naturally what we're meant to be doing. No, it's not. It's um, all... So those and moments in nature really bring us back. Yeah, definitely. I love. I love that of all the things you could have quoted from my book, it's someone else's quote. That's great. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Matt Haig is like a fountain of just like inspirational knowledge, and like he's just got this unbelievably great way of looking at the world um yeah talk, talking to him is just like yeah i mean you'd love it you should try and get him on actually because he just his yeah. uh, how he views the world is just spot on um it was amazing but, but yeah no you're right you know um and I, and I think i think the whole online sort of social media thing has been has been ramped up a little bit with you know like you and i would probably be doing this face to face somewhere if it wasn't for lockdown and i'd be talking to you know making having meetings and arranging to meet people and there's something about looking at yourself while you talk i mean that's that can't be what humans are designed to do that that just that throws me off every time um and and so yeah it's going to take i mean in some ways it's like we're we're seeing sort of the, the extremes in in you know a different kind of extreme in this whole lockdown thing you know um being separated from people, looking at ourselves when we're talking to people and, and all this really unnatural stuff. It's almost like, you know, with everyone going out and walking, it's not just because there's nothing else to do. It's because I think I think we're sort of on autopilot and we're trying to balance out this just bizarre situation that we're so not designed for with something that we are. You know, to go outside and to go walking and, and to just, and to not take your phone and everything is... It, people are doing that more now than they ever have done um, and yeah you can argue that it's because the pubs aren't open and the shops aren't open and all that sort of stuff but I don't know man I, I, I really hope people learn from from this time and, and see that yeah like being inside and being cooped up and looking at a screen all day it's not it's not good and 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 we do need that you know time away to actually do what we were designed to do I mean, I remember my um, counsellor telling me about the fact that we still have that human instinct of fight or flight. Mm. And quite often I, I really relate that flight moment to sitting at home on my phone and something is just bothering me. My anxiety is coming back from somewhere. I don't know what it is and I just need to get out. And it is that sudden urge to be out in nature, out walking, having a journey somewhere getting away from the space that I was in and I really you know that's really resonated me since with me since you told me that 
that you can see it in a lot of situations that, like you say, through this past year, a lot more people have been walking, a lot more people have been getting out, meeting in the park. And, you know, we can say it's because things are closed, like you mentioned, but also is that us having that fight or flight moment as well and just needing to be away from the space that we're stuck in? Yeah, I, I, I definitely um, think it is. I, I think our our instincts lead us more often than than we think, you know. Um, you know, you, I, I, I genuinely think that, that choice is, is something, is a kind of man-made, you know, it's like a concept, you know, the human humans invented because this idea of free choice and, and that sort of thing. We do things we don't understand constantly. We do things mindlessly. We do things on pure instinct all the time. And, and being mindful of, of what we're doing and when we're doing it is is really important and you know it's no I, I genuinely don't think it's any coincidence that everyone's out walking every day while on the other half of their end of the spectrum they're they're sitting around looking at screens all the time like our minds are naturally tell are they're telling us that, like our, our instincts are telling us what to do how to survive here and it's it's something we really really need to be mindful of you know yeah definitely i mean there's there's so many metaphors that you could take from <laughs> this journey that you've had and that process of walking and these amazing things. And in fact, I do have a quote from you, from your book as oh, well. Oh, nice. Oh, um, <laughs> about that, you used it as a metaphor and it made me laugh, but it made me laugh because I completely got what you meant. And that was taking off your walking boots at the end of <laughs> a long day. Yeah. And I was like, and you said that you wish you'd, you could live your life has that feeling yeah. <laughs> and I just loved it I thought it was brilliant it was spot on it yeah. was like that relief and the enjoyment and the sort of just relaxing euphoria. moment um, the fucking euphoria yeah. of taking your boots off after you've been walking all day it's unreal yeah it it's really incredible is. Yeah, I, I, I would love I, to live in a constant state of that that would just be that's what heaven would be for me for sure yeah, I think you're right. I completely got it. I read it and I just laughed, but I was like, that is so true. And I think a lot of people who are listening would also agree with that. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, I could, talk to you, <laughs> I could talk to you about these metaphors and things all day, but I have a practical thing I want to know, which okay. is what ended up being your best part of equipment? I mean, you put in lists in your book of all these things you'd bought and researched. And yeah. I just want to know, what was the actual thing in the end that was just the best part of it? Well, I had so few things. I mean, I mean, that was the beauty of it. I just didn't have... I, the only things I had on me were the things that I needed to to survive. You know, I just had a tent, a, a rucksack, some spare clothes, some extra socks. You know, my phone, because that's just, you know, let's just accept that that's a part of our fucking hand now um so there was like literally no luxury items i mean probably probably my pack because it got me into it got me into conversations with people you know i put the, the um the uh the sort of what rainproof cover over it and, and i wrote something on there i just said something like you know i'm walking three thousand miles around britain and i'm on my own if that's interesting to you, come over and talk to me, sort of thing. And with, whenever I stopped in a cafe or a pub to, to, you know, have a drink or or charge my phone up or whatever, I just position it just right next to me, so it was facing out. I'd find a corner and just position it and face it outwards. And <clears throat> yeah, I ended up having some really great conversations with people because because you know people would just read my pack and be like, oh my god, he's doing what, and just come over and want to talk to me about it. 
Um, but also, you know, my boots, my second pair of boots. Um, if you're, I don't know if if you've if you're five chapters in, you might not have got to the, the stage where I lose my boots yet. Um, but it happened embarrassingly early in in the walk, and I had to fork out for a new pair. Um, but though that pair got me around the whole of Britain, and I've got to, I've got to say thanks to those guys because, yeah, they they were tough. You know, they got me through some really tough tough situations. Nice. I like the um, the idea of your pack and that that sign actually probably brought a lot of enjoyment for the trip. So yeah, a it's lot amazing of how and, the and little bought, things bought me a can couple often... of, bought me a couple of lunches as well. Bought me a couple of places oh, nice. to stay occasionally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might start doing that myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I walked here from Spain. Buy yeah. me some, buy me some food. Well, before we wrap up, I want to ask. Um, this is a big question, but is okay. there a pinpoint in the whole trip that was just the best part that gives you complete euphoria, or was the moment that you finally felt at peace, or anything like that? Um. The, the one that springs to mind is the one that I've, I've been talking about a lot recently and I, but I genuinely think I don't think there was a better moment um, so once I got to Inverness which is which was as, as north as I was originally planning on going um, just because it was the end of um, a, a national trail called the Great Glen Way that ran that runs past Loch Ness and ends in Inverness and from there you can just turn about and go and head south towards Aviemore through the Cairngorms because, you know, when I was originally doing my plan, I was sort of looking at the, the stretch between Inverness and John O'Groats. And I, I remember thinking, like, OK, well, I mean, there's nothing there. So there's no point in me going there. But by the time I actually got to Inverness, I was like, why wouldn't I go right to the top? Like, that's dumb. Like, why wouldn't I just want to go up to John O'Groats and see it? So uh, I decided I have a friend in Inverness who I left my pack with. And I decided to run from Inverness to, to John O'Groats. It was about 120 miles in the end. Um, and the day I got there, it took me a few days. And the day I got there, um, you know, I was I was so tired, I was wrecked, and I'd been staying with people, just random people al- along the way. Um, but that night, I wanted to stay in a in a B and B just to kind of be like, "Well done, me, you've earned this," sort of thing. Um, so I got to John O'Groats, and it was it was brilliant. And you know, I had my moment where I was just at the top of Britain, looking north, and that was great. And um, I went. I went to this B and B, and it was about nine, eight or nine in the evening. And uh, a person whose conservatory I'd stayed in three days previously messaged me and said, "Oh, you need to go outside and look at the sky." I was like, "Why?" And she was like, well, "I'm, you know, I'm tired. I'm in my pants, and I'm really enjoying it. Do I really have to go out there?" She was like, "No, trust me. You need to go out there." So I left. I put some clothes back on, went outside, and I walked down to the seafront, and when I walked out the B&B it was just orange you know because of the street lamps and I couldn't really see anything but once I got down to the front and the, the orange started to disappear this green just popped out of the sky and the, I, I mean I didn't even know you could see the northern lights from the top of Scotland but if they were there and it was I mean it wasn't just it wasn't how I expected it to be it was like this big grey band across the sky like a huge grey rainbow that I could see the beginning and end of and around it was just green flat just dancing all around it and it was like you know i messaged her straight away and i was like you know how often does this happen so this hasn't happened for years and there was something about it all that just moved me you know i'd got right to the top and technically 
that's I was turning around and was about to come home and it was like someone had just done it for me. So someone was going, all right, he's getting to the top today and then he's got to go tomorrow. Let's just do something really great for him. And it was just, it was just perfection. It just, and it was really, I've heard people talk about, you know, the Northern Lights and how seeing them is really moving and I never quite, quite got it, but it's, it's just nature. It's most magical. It just, it's just magic on, on, on earth in the most colossal epic way yeah that was that was that was easily the i'll remember that moment forever for sure yeah that's absolutely incredible it makes me feel like emotional for you yeah in the fact that like i can't even imagine you know what you went through and then doing this crazy journey and getting to that moment and seeing that of all things yeah, like it's something that is on the bucket list for so many people I know, and I know. it was given to you in that moment yeah that's incredible it really is isn't it I mean it was just perfect it was just a really perfect moment and I remember I remember yeah. I called my mum when I was there and you know if you've read the book then you'll know that she was she was the first person I reached out to when I was just in that really really dark place and she was the first person I wanted to call again when I saw that, you know, when I got to the top and I've, I was just achieving this thing and just living this life and just so, I'd never felt so happy to be alive. And again, she was the first person that I that I wanted to call again. And we just, yeah, we had this, this conversation. It was just, yeah, it's just a really beautiful, beautiful moment. Yeah, that was, that was the one. I actually, I was, I was going to ask about your mum because in your book, the way that you describe her and, and, you know, like you just said, she was the first person you rang and stuff. I love her. I don't even know her and I've only read a few <laughs> chapters and I think she's incredible. She and really is. I love that relationship that you had with her and I just think she must be so flipping proud of you. She must just be in awe of how far you've come and, and I just think it's amazing to read about your story together yeah, um, that's that's really nice of you to say, and yeah, she she messages, she keeps getting stopped in Molden High Street. Um, people want to talk to her about me. She messaged, she told me that yesterday. I was like, oh, I I haven't even got stopped once since the book came out. But it's the city, isn't it? Like no one really does that in the city. Whereas Molden's this tiny little town where nothing ever happens, and and uh, and yeah, people yeah. want to talk to talk to mum. And if she's out walking Reggie, then yeah, they can't believe their luck. She is an amazing person she's like my hero she really is like she she is the perfect person in you know life life gets really difficult and people suck like a lot of the time you do find those little gems everywhere and one of them happens to be my mum like so I'm just unbelievably lucky in that respect because she yeah she's just she's just the perfect person I think it was it was amazing as well how she was just like okay that's happening fine come back you know we'll sort it out and then you said that you were going to do this crazy walk and she was like all right off you go like (laughs) I think it's great I think it's so good and the support that she has for you and that you obviously have for her is is amazing and I I love reading about it um and I honestly cannot wait to read the rest of this book oh good Good. yesterday just um traipsing down to the beach and having a little read I'm excited for the rest of it. But yeah, honestly, I could talk to you about this all day. So maybe we'll have to do another one when I finish the book. But just thank you so much for coming on and talking about it and being so open about it. Um, 
and you just must have this absolute huge bank of stories now to tell everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so thank you for taking time to share some of them with us. No worries. Thank um, you very much for, for thinking of me and having having me on. Yeah, and to the listeners, if you want to have a look at his book, it is called A Walk from the Wild Edge. And where can you get it? Is that sort of everywhere? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got... A, promote it through amazon but it's also available on uh, audiobook and ebook as well but you can i mean if you don't if you don't want to give jeff bezos your money then then you can get it through waterstones and and there's some independent bookshops but wh smith um you can get it through there as well um yeah there's a few different places you can get it awesome i would like absolutely thoroughly recommend that people read this book and i mean i'm one of the worst readers that anyone knows so the fact that i've even got this far in says something mate i i barely, um... I barely read either and i've written this book i can't it's my partner's just like oh, do you, it's so annoying like because she's a like she reads constantly it's just her thing just, she's constantly in a book and um and she's like, how did you write a book that actually is good? Like, you don't read. <laughs> I've been reading the same book for about six months. I'm about halfway through it. I just can't, I can't concentrate. But um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just because no, I get to talk about myself at length. Maybe that's what I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe you're like me. If you read your own book, yeah. you might be good at it. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, but no, thank you so, so much. And... Yeah, I can't wait to just keep following you, keep reading this book and just find out where it is that you're heading. All the best with it all, Lydia. Thank you so much and thank you for your support. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. That was a truly incredible and inspiring story to have from Jake and to find out more about his insight into how green space and blue space therapy has helped him on his road to recovery. I know I resonated a lot with what he said and I found it truly motivating for myself and also my journey and I really hope that it's also resonated with many of you listening. To find out how to buy his book, there's a link in the show notes below or you can head over to the Cove website to find out a little bit more about this episode.